I'm Kylie O'Miller, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with Scars. Now it's yeah. Padel score. Paul Rabel splits two and scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills and finishes that shot behind Liz Hogan. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home. What a start. Welcome to the Pro Lacrosse Talk podcast. I'm Hutton, he's Adam. Together we have all the latest news from all your favorite professional lacrosse leagues. We're happy to have you guys for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. As usual, I, Hutton, am joined by my co-host Adam, as well as our first guest from Long Island today, Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor Tim Barry. Welcome to the show, Tim. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. A lot to do in this week's episode, including our recaps of the best games, um, an interview with another Long Islander, Kylie Olmiller, and we'll also give you our picks for the upcoming MLL, PLL, and WPLL games. So let's get into our fast break first. The Outlaws defeated the Rattlers 15-9 on Thursday. On Saturday, the Outlaws knocked off the Cannons 17-16 to give the Cannons their first loss. The Blaze defeated the Bayhawks 19-10 to give the Bayhawks their first loss. The Lizards beat the Rattlers 13-9 to get their first win. Rattlers are still looking for their first win. So in the PLL, the Atlas defeated the Archers 13-12 on Friday. And then on Saturday, the Chaos defeated the Chrome in overtime 15 to 14, handing the Chrome their fifth straight loss. They're still looking for their first win. And then the following game on Saturday, the Redwoods defeated the Whipsnakes 14 11 to hand the Whipsnakes their first loss of the season. So that concludes our fast break this week. Now we got our quick stick. We have the NLL awarded the Colorado Mammoth, Halifax Thunderbirds, New England Black Wolves, Saskatchewan Rush, and Toronto Rock compensatory picks for losing players to free agency last season. In the PLL, the Redwoods traded a third round draft pick in the 2020 draft to the Chrome for attackman Westberg and a fourth-round draft pick in the 2020 draft. In the MLL, the Bayhawks acquire Ryan Keenan from the Rattlers in exchange for Adam Asika. And then this weekend, the WPLL select team fell to England's national lacrosse team 11-10 in England. So that's our quick stick. Now let's talk about John Grant Jr., who went off against the Rattlers on Thursday. He had a hat-trick, plus one more for four total goals. And one of them was between the legs. That was one for the ages. He surpassed the 600-goal mark. So let's talk a little bit about this Rattlers game. Adam, what did you see from John Grant Jr.? Yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked like mid-30s John Grant Jr., you know. I, he, he was pretty unbelievable. All those stick skills we talked about last week when, when he was on the, the player pool for uh, the NLL expansion draft, I think it probably made some teams second-guess themselves about, about picking him up, even though it's numbers in the rafters for, for the Mammoth. I think they might want him back after seeing what he did this week. The man is 44 years old, and he's playing at an elite level still. It's, it's crazy. Um, but he also had some help from Long Island native Brendan Cavanaugh, had four goals and an assist. Zach Courier also had a hat trick. I think this is one of the better attack groups in the MLL right now. I know we said we really like the Bayhawks attack group with Lyle Thompson, Steele Stanwick, and Heacock, but um, they, they come to play every game, um, and they certainly did a in their second game of the weekend against the Cannons, um, playing a Cannons team that hadn't lost until this game. And uh, you had John Grant Jr. Uh, not missing a beat. He was throwing one-handed passes from X to the top of the arc, BTB passes from the top of the arc. Um, he finished with one goal and four assists to, again, bring his point total to 6.07. Um, it was a back-and-forth game, though. Uh, the, the Cannons got off to a 2-1 start, and then the and then the Outlaws took the lead and you know had the Cannons on their heels for a little while until um, Cannons came back and tied it up at 8 at half, um, and then we got you know some more goals in the second half. Uh, Cannons eventually came back and tied at 15-15 with four minutes left to go, um, but it just wasn't enough. Outlaws end up going up 16-15 and eventually putting them away at 17-16. Brendan Cavanaugh, three goals and two assists on the day. Uh, Ryan Lee of RIT had four goals, so you know, a big day for the Outlaws, and we actually had Zach Courier after the game. He uh, he was not happy with a little scuffle he had with Justin Pugel earlier in the game. Um, he actually didn't even refer to him by name. He was just really calling him out on you know the cheap shots. Uh, he called him number seventy-seven, um, and then you know Pugel had some words to say back to him. But you know that kind of just showed the intensity of the game throughout the game. One of the better games of the season, I think, so far, and between top teams and the Cannons and the Outlaws. So the Outlaws are firing on all cylinders right now. Um, and Tim, what did you see from the Outlaws that really impressed you, especially from John Grant Jr.? Uh, well, here's here's what I think about it. Um, you know, John Grant Jr. is basically the Adam Vinatieri of professional cross. Uh, dude's old enough to be all of our dads, and uh, he's still out here just putting up, putting on shows each and every single game. I mean, 
the dude's body is basically butter. Like, he's so smooth. He can finish. He can dish. He can feed. Um, you know, he's just been a real difference maker. He saw, you know, Paul Rabel's goal record, and he's just like, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm getting that for myself. You know, and he's just, like, the embodiment of, like, what you what you should really do when you really love lacrosse, you know? He, I feel like he's, like, the physical embodiment of that. No, absolutely. He is the, you know, the face of the game, and, uh, like you said, he's playing at a high level, even though he could, you know, be uh, tearing it up in some men's league. He prefers to do it on the professional lacrosse field. So, yeah, definitely I want to see some more out of that him. You know, he keeps bringing it every game, and, uh, you know, we're, the Outlaws are the most exciting team right now, and, you know, they're, they're sitting uh, at the top of the standings thanks to the Bayhawks losing to the Blaze um, this week as well, which ended up not being that close as we thought. Um, you know, I, I thought the Blaze would give them a good game, but they came out firing on cylinders. They uh, ended up scoring 19. Um, Bayhawks only got 10. Shane Jackson had five goals and two assists. Brian Cole had four goals and one assist. And, you know, the Bayhawks got production out of their attackmen uh, in Heacock, Thompson, and Stanwick. I mean, Lyle Thompson had four goals, two assists for six points on the day. Stanwick, one goal, two assists, and uh, Heacock had two goals and assists. So it's not like those guys didn't bring it, but um, just no production from the midfield, and that kind of really hurt them in this game. You know, the, the Blaze get their third win of the season, now 3-1, and one, and the Bayhawks are sitting at 2-1. and one. But, uh, you know, it's still anybody's league right now, I feel like, in the MLL. Yeah, I, I think another big thing to point out is Nico Amato and Cage for the Bayhawks only was at 50% for the night on save. So he saved 16, but he let 16 in as well. And Brian Phipps, their former starting goalie, got some garbage time at the end of the game when it was a little bit... Um, out of out of reach for them already. So um, the the Blaze played an all around strong game, just like they have the rest of the season. Um, the, those guys we already discussed. Shane Jackson, man, um, we we talked about him since the, the beginning of the season. At first, we were surprised at what he was doing. At this point, I, I don't think we should be surprised that he's putting up seven points in a game. Um, and him and Brian Cole are, are doing what they've done from the beginning of the season. It, it kind of should be the expectation now, rather than being surprised. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, another gr- great game. And, um, you know, these, these teams are definitely uh, ones to watch. You know, it's, it's a really t- tight, tight race at the top. You know, you got the Outlaws at the top at 4-1. and one. Um, The Blaze sitting at 3-1 and one now, um, tied with the Cannons at 3-1. and one, And the, the Bayhawks are sitting in the middle at 2-1 and one right now. So um, any of those teams can make a run at the championship this year. And um, that kind of brings us to the Lizards and the Rattlers who are sitting at the bottom. Um, the Lizards end up getting their first win against the Rattlers. They end up winning 13-9. to Again, the Rattlers, are, they're hanging in these games, but they just don't really get enough production. Um, they really haven't found the way to win these games, and the Lizards get their first, which it was a big one for them. You know, The usual players came to play. You had uh, Rob Pinnell with five points. He had two goals, three assists. Um, Malloy had a hat trick. Crowley came in and got two goals, and then you even had... Ryan Walsh with a hat-trick, so, you know, they got some production from all over the field, which is what we mentioned that they need to do um, going forward, so uh, a much better game for them. Um, Still, you know, like I said, it's not really going to show us how great the winning team of this game was, but more how bad the losing team was, so rather still looking for their first win, and they'll look to get it next week. You know what, fellas, just looking at the standings now, as much as there's a lot of season left and things could change, I... I think the whether it's Denver at top or at four or at Blaze at the top, I, I think the the semifinals for the MLL might be set unless the Lizards and Rattlers really change things. Yeah, no, it's it's looking like that. I mean, the Lizards are really going to have to go on a deep run in order to get themselves back into this. Um, you know, still not done yet. Still plenty of the season left, but uh, certainly a lot to overcome sitting at one and four. And the Rattlers are you know, all but dead in the water now at 0-5. They're going to have to put together a string of wins if they want to make a chance at the playoffs as well. So that wraps up uh, the MLL games from this weekend. Um, now let's go to our interview with Kylie Olmiller. So Adam and I sat down to talk to Kylie. Um, she's one of the most elite athletes at the WPLL level right now, and we got to sit down with her and talk about her career so far and where she sees her career headed as well. We're lucky enough to have Kylie Olmiller on the pod with us today. Kylie was a four-time All-American, America East Player of the Year, two-time Tour-Town finalist during her time at Stony Brook University. She currently is a member of the WPLL Fight and also Team USA. Kylie, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. 
really excited to have you on. You guys have been having a, a pretty awesome season for, for the fight this year. How, how do you think things have been going? Yeah, um, it's been really cool to just get back out there with some of the best in the, of the best, you know. Um, I've got a really stacked team, and I can pretty much say that about every WPL team out there is, um, you know, everyone's just super talented out there. So it's uh, really just awesome to get back out there with, you know, some of my teammates and getting getting together. And it's interesting to only get to play, you know, every summer now, uh, now graduating sure. from college. So that's new. And it's all year round. You kind of wait until until June 1st, I guess it yeah. was. That was our first game, June 2nd. Um, so we were, we were really looking forward to that and just kind of getting out on the field and competing again. Awesome. So, uh, Kylie, both your parents are athletes. Your sister Taryn is at Stony Brook now. You got to play with her. Um, before you graduated, tell me about growing up in a household of athletes and how that really had an impact on you, um, you know, choosing your career as a professional athlete. I mean, it was huge. When my sister and I were young, you know, my parents kind of pushed sports on us from the get-go. And, um, and when I say pushed, I mean they kind of just held it out, open arms. You know, we were always playing sports in the backyard. Um, uh, we started at a young age playing soccer because my mom played soccer. Uh, we always we started swimming when we were really young competitively. So um, it was just always in our DNA. It was always in our household. Taryn and I always grew up super competitive, not so much with each other, but just in general. We always liked to be outside and competing with the boys in our classes and, you know, being outside at recess rather than inside and doing those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I think sports has just always been a part of our, our genetics and, and who we are. So, um, yeah, I think – and. You know, I can't I can't say enough about my family being, you know, my rock and my my support system throughout my entire career as an athlete, whether it was when I was four years old trying to kick a soccer ball around or right. to now. So, um, you know, it's awesome to be able to have their their feedback from when they were athletes, my parents, you know, and just kind of their advice and and what they see when I'm out on the field, even though they might have not have never played lacrosse. You know, they played sports. Yeah. And they, they know mm -hmm. how it goes. So just. Um, just taking in all that they have to say from their experiences, it's always been really incredible. Awesome. So you talked about kind of like your family a little bit, and I, I saw some recent pictures uh, of you and your family at uh, one of your high school's games where you had your number retired. You talked about DNA a little bit. How is Long Island in your DNA, and how has that really shaped you as a player? Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I'm i a big Long Island girl. I mean, yeah. Long Island born and raised. I still live here. Um, a lot of my friends even ask, you know, like, are you going to move anywhere anytime soon? And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, like, <laughs> I just, I love it here. It's it's part of my blood. Um, and, you know, lacrosse is huge here. It's kind of like a way of life. Um, and it's just such a hotbed for it. So I grew up in an area where lacrosse has always been played at such a high level. And that's what I'm used to. Um, sure. So uh, I think just kind of being in this location where lacrosse is huge and it's kind of given me the ability to also go to a Division One program at Stony Brook on Long Island and be able to kind of be with that team full of mostly Long Islanders and yeah. um, make that into Long Island's home women's lacrosse team, you know, and kind of build that fan base from the ground up and be able to say that we can be Long Island's team. Um, so I think just kind of it's, it's been a big part of, of my DNA, like you said, and uh, it's just a, it's a big part of my personality too. So you talk about how, you know, you really made uh, the fight that, um, Long Island team, you know, obviously you went to Stony Brook also in Long Island. You've also, though, been to Japan just recently with WPLL. Um, talk about how the WPL is actually growing the game to not just a national level, but a global level. And um, where do you see the sport going in five to ten years? Yeah, I mean, I think the strides that the sport has taken over the last, you know, ten years or so, it's been really incredible to see. Um, and I think just the amount of exposure that it's getting, especially recently, is is huge for it. I think that's the one thing that a lot of us are pushing for is just the more exposure of the game that we can get. Um, the more people are going to be introduced to something they might not have ever seen before or might not have known that they were interested in before. Um, and then, you know, our sport can just grow exponentially from there. So um, I think just all of the opportunities that the league has given, you know, us women to be able to 
travel to places like Japan or get together with people from, I know they, they just did a, um, a whole trip in England as well. They're just wrapping up that I wasn't mm-hmm. able to go on, but just being able to get together with all these different national teams and, um, in different countries and in different States and putting together these kinds of programs where they're kind of shaping the next generation of women's lacrosse players, where they're kind of giving them this ultimate, um, idea of a women's professional lacrosse player to look up to and to kind of strive to be. I was speaking with someone yesterday who even kind of put this in my mind that, you know, when, when I was growing up, it was when I would write on the worksheets in, in school when they were like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would write, I want to be a professional lacrosse player. You know, every teacher, mm-hmm. everyone would say like, you know, that's not a thing, Kylie, like you can't <laughs> do that, you know? Um, and now these girls and boys out there, they can write that on their worksheets in school. You know, they can say, I want to be a professional lacrosse player when I grow up. So I think that's ultimately the biggest goal for all of us. And um, it's awesome that the league is giving us these opportunities to be able to do so on a global level. Absolutely. That's awesome. So speaking of uh, those worksheets and whatnot, when you were younger in past interviews, you've said uh, that Katrina Dowd was one of your role models growing up. How has it been playing with her, obviously on Team USA currently, and then also with the fight? Yeah, it's pretty surreal when you look around um, and you're out on the field playing the sport that you love and people that you used to like chase around at lacrosse tournaments trying to get their autograph on a lacrosse ball are like passing you the ball and giving you high fives and like you know just talking to you because now we're friends so it's kind of come full circle and I couldn't be more grateful for that and it's just kind of crazy when I kind of look back into that little girl's mind and who was idolizing people like Katrina and you know Kayla and Michelle Tumalo and all these girls that have done so much for the sport and now just to be able to look 10, 15 years down the road and see myself now, I don't think I could have ever imagined it. So uh, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, they are the best in the game, are the best in the sport. So um, just being able to be out on the field and learn from them and their experiences and, you know, their creativity and their how they see the game, it's um, unlike anything I've ever been able to experience as a lacrosse player. So, uh, again, very grateful. Yeah, well, going off of that, you've, increase some exposure to the sport as well. Um, you've been on Sports Center's top 10 multiple times. Um, you know, first in 2017 with your behind the back pass to your sister, Taryn, who finished with a behind the back goal at Stony Brook. Um, and now you're just on over a week ago um, for the fight with your falling over behind the back goal um, in Baltimore. And we were actually fortunate enough to be there at that game. And I remember turning to Adam and like, that better make top plays. <laughs> um, and it did, you know, I think it was number eight. Um, which of those plays has been the best for you or has any other moments stood out for you on your lacrosse career? Yeah, I mean, I've been super fortunate to have a lot of incredible, you know, memories on the field. And I just, I think that's the biggest thing is is those connections on the field. Those are those are the best memories that you could have. Um, like I know my, my four years at Stony Brook are four years that went by way too quickly. And mm-hmm. I wish I could, you know, go back just because of all the, the wins and the plays and the things on the field that we just like, I just wish I could relive. Um, but if you're asking which one of my sports center top tens is my favorite, I would definitely have to go with the one with my sister because mm-hmm. that's just super special. Mm-hmm. Um, anything with her is super special. I mean, there's not many people out there that get to say that they um, got to play a couple years of, of uh, college lacrosse with their sister and not many people who get to say that they ended up on Sports Center for a BTB to BTB. So uh, it was pretty pretty awesome to be able to later on that night watch that together. We were together when we watched it. We kind of just looked at each other and we were like, haha, remember when we used to do that in the backyard all the time? <laughs> now it's on national television. Like that's, again, coming full circle. You guys had, had some practice with it uh, too with your treadmill behind the back passing drills that you did too because I know that video went viral and uh, a lot of great moments with your sister um, and you know who knows maybe she'll join you professionally I, I don't know if that's in her horizon but we'd love to talk to her at some point too but that would be yeah. awesome yeah <laughs> um, not gonna lie I was actually running shot clock for the game for the, the games in Baltimore 
and there were multiple times where I really had to make sure that I was paying attention and not just watching you guys on the field, like <laughs> you and Taylor and all the, the rest of the crew. There were multiple times where I had to like really focus. So uh, it, it was an awesome game to watch. But um, speaking of WPLL, um, they, they, they kind of changed up the rules a little bit this year with the rebrand and one less uh, player on the um, defensive side of the ball. Um, what what kind of has that done for your game? You, you're a really creative player with those BTBs and those kinds of things. What has these new rules uh, with the league kind of, how have you adapted your game to them? Yeah, I think the the cool part about the WPLL um, is that, you know, and I said this last year about coming out of college and then going into the WPLL, I didn't think that the game could get any faster than it was in college. And, you know, you get to the WPLL with these new rules and it's a shorter field, shorter shot clock, less people, the fastest women's lacrosse player in the world and the most yep. talented. So. Uh, the ball just zips around um, every second of the game. So um, I think that's just the biggest thing with all these new rules is just the game is so fast, so physical. The refs let us play. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, the fans want to see us play. You know, they want to see us uh, putting the ball in the back of the net and making stops on defense and fast physical plays like, you know, women's across players should be doing. And I think that's what the rules are allowing us to do. And um, it's showing because it's, it's super entertaining to be a part of. And I know that, you know, even just watching the other teams play, it's, it's really entertaining to watch. Yeah, kind of going off of that. So, you know, obviously men's and women's lacrosse are two almost distinct sports, um, but we are seeing some overlap in the pro game in terms of, you know, the rules and, you know, the proposed international rules. How do you think that the sport can grow having two very distinct variations of the game um, while, you know, also kind of merging a little bit in terms of similar rules just in terms of growth, but also respecting the inherent differences of the game because they are very different games. Um, and it's almost what makes lacrosse so unique is that you have such distinct versions of one sport. I like the way you put that is that it is unique from other sports because the two versions, women's and men's, are so different. Um, and I think that's what's exciting about it. And that's what kind of intrigues people about mm -hmm. it a little bit and gets people to ask questions, you know, like, oh, well, how come, you know, men wear all these padding and girls, you're not wearing anything? Does that, you know, does that mean your game is less physical, this, that, and the other thing? Um, and it kind of gets, I think what's cool about it is it gets people asking about mm -hmm. the sport, which is ultimately what we want. You know, you get people who don't know what lacrosse is asking all these kinds of questions, and then you get to educate people on on lacrosse in general. But I think for the growth of it, um, there's that aspect. And then just the fact that, you know, like we're all kind of in it together, you know, whether we're men's players or women's players, whether we have different rules or not. Um, I think just kind of supporting each other and the idea that, you know, we're all trying to grow this thing together and we're all trying to get it to the stage that we all want it to be at, no matter who's got the rules and who's, you know, this and that. Um, I think just kind of supporting each other in that aspect and um, whatever kind of exposure lacrosse can get, whether it's men's or women's, just just uh, backing each other with that. Absolutely. Speaking of the, the potential international rules, you think uh, the Olympics are in your horizon when that kind of comes into play? <laughs> um, well, we're hoping for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, so um, I would be 32, so it's not to say that I wouldn't be able to do it, sure. but I mean, it's definitely in my goals, um, awesome. I think just as an ultimate goal for the sport of lacrosse, it's also in my goals, because I think just that's where we want to go, that's the that's the limit that we want to reach you know we want to be in the olympics and we want to be able to be that sport so um anything that i can do to help get it there whether i'm playing or, or not um you know someone's going to be wearing usa across their chest in in the olympics one day playing lacrosse so that's all that all that really matters yeah well you're one of the first you know really take it on full time head on so um i think you know i think you know you take care of your body so i think you still have a future if you if you put your mind to it so i think you, you can keep it up um, i appreciate that thanks yeah. well going off of that we're going to get to our five and five segment so this is kind of a new segment for us um but we, we want to ask five lacrosse related questions and then five non-lacrosse related questions so these are going to be like some quick questions just some quick answers uh that come to your mind um and then we'll we'll go from there all right good. all right so first lacrosse related what are some pre-game superstitions or routines you have um, I always 
put on my eye black. It looks like the Batman wings. I've been wearing it for a while. Um, and I always eat a handful of Skittles. Uh, and I, on my right wrist, I write um, the initials of three special people that I lost in my life, uh, just as a reminder to play for something bigger. But those are my three pregame rituals. Awesome. Now, what is your current lacrosse stick setup? I know your dad actually strings your heads, um, but what are you going with, you know, right now in terms of a shaft, head, and string job? I am full uh, Dynasty Warp Pro right now. I'm okay. actually playing with a prototype that I can't talk too much about, but mm-hmm. it is a prototype that's in the works. Uh, another version of the Dynasty Warp Pro, so it's awesome. Uh, super lightweight and. Loving every second of it. Yeah, so you know anybody listening to this and are still playing, keep your eyes out on Kylie's social media. You know, maybe you'll see some new Warrior Warp soon. So, um, <laughs> how do you stay focused when your team doesn't play well, or during stretches when you personally don't play your best? I think the biggest thing uh, is just to you know kind of take a step back and remember why we're playing the game, which is you know we all want to win out there. We're all super competitive, and sometimes we. Uh, get in our own heads a little bit because we all want to be the best that we can possibly be. But being able to stay, take a step back and just kind of play for that bigger purpose of having fun and, and the passion that we that we have when we play lacrosse. Um, just being able to say to yourself, like, let the game come to you instead of going out and searching for how the game should go. Yeah, just taking a step back and, and a deep breath and, and playing for the right reasons. No, that's great. Who is someone in the lacrosse community, whether it's a coach, teammate, opponent, or even, you know, uh, a relative that you admire? I definitely owe a lot of my success in my lacrosse career to Coach Joe Spelina. Um, and he's definitely someone that I look up to as not only a coach, but a friend, a mentor, um, someone in the lacrosse world that just knows absolutely everything and um, really has taught me so much about, you know, how to handle myself and what kind of player I could be. And he really brought out the a potential in me that I didn't even know was possible. So, you know, I absolutely love playing for him. I absolutely love coaching with him. And, uh, yeah, I think he's just someone that I've learned a lot about, um, not only the sport and the on-field stuff, but all the off-field stuff as well. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Awesome. All right, so last and the lacrosse related, what are your top three songs on your game day playlist? <laughs> Um, do you have a game day playlist? If you I don't do listen, have a game day okay. playlist. It's actually called Game Day Game Day. Because <laughs> um, let me, I'm, I'm pulling up my Spotify right now. You're fine. Which is on it. Um, okay, so Look At Me Now, the one that goes really fast with all the rapping because I know all the words. Uh, let's see, I always have Sentries on there because that was my um, goal song in college yeah, I follow up one. Yep. and uh um honestly anything like super fast like upbeat mm-hmm. just kind of yeah absolutely all right so that's our lacrosse related now we'll go into the non-lacrosse related um what did you study in college and how has that your time at stony brook prepared you for life you know off the lacrosse field as well as on the lacrosse field um, yeah, I studied sociology and business at Stony Brook, um, and I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that I learned about business, I learned halfway through my, my college career that I wanted to, you know, play professionally, and that's when the professional leagues had started, and um, I realized that I could I could really try to make a, a career out of lacrosse, so that's when I decided I wanted to start KO17 Lacrosse, which is my uh, my lacrosse training company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to learn a little bit about more about business and business administration. So I hopped into that, and um, yeah, so that I think just kind of like really prepared me to take on what you know people quote unquote call the real world, and just kind of prepare me for for those different things. No, that's great. Um, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when not on the lacrosse field? Yeah, I. Love to go to the beach. I live very close to it, so anytime I have any sort of downtime, I'm always like chasing some sort of sunset or um, just kind of sitting by the waves. Um, I have a black lab dog, um, so I love hanging out with him. And um, anytime I can get my hands on a good book, I like to just kind of block the world out a little bit, put my phone in a different room, and, and just get into a good book. Oh, okay. That segues into my third question pretty well. What 
book is on your bookshelf currently or what is a book that you've been reading and that you'd recommend to a teammate or a friend? Well, we actually at the last Team USA training weekend just got the awesome opportunity to meet Abby Wambach and she came in and spoke to the team and just had some incredible words of wisdom but she also brought her new book called Wolfpack and gave each one of us a copy. I just finished it the other day but it just has a really good message for any athlete, any female athlete, anyone who's kind of struggling as a female athlete in the mostly male athlete dominated world. So I, you know, resonated with that one and I thought it was a really strong message. That's great. So obviously big Long Island girl. What's one of your favorite places to go when on Long Island? Montauk probably. I have always loved going there. My family has my extended family has a house out there um, that, you know, we always get together in the summer for, and it's kind of like our weekend away from life. We, we all get to go surfing and just hang out by the beach, and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like my home away from home a little bit out there in Montauk. Mm-hmm. All right, final question. What is your favorite meal, and do you prefer to dine in, take out, or cook at home? Um, I'm not the world's best cook, so I'm definitely not going to say cooking at home, but... I I love sushi, so I would say that I probably eat that like once or twice a week. That would probably be my go-to takeout meal. Awesome. All right, so that wraps up the five and five. Um, so just to wrap everything up, it's been great talking to you, Kylie, and obviously you're a role model for young women and you know girls that are really aspiring to be a professional lacrosse player and professional athlete. Um, what is one piece of advice that you really want to impart on you know girls that are young looking up to you right now, watching you in the WPLL? Um, and, you know, hoping to aspire to be um, just like you and play collegiately and at the professional level. Yeah, one thing I always tell my um, the girls at my clinics and any girls that I meet, you know, at these games and everything is just that no dream that they have or no goal that they have is too big. Um, you know, if they want to be a professional lacrosse player when they grow up, you know, they can be and they can strive to do that and they can put in the hard work to do that. And, you know, it's possible um, and just kind of, you know, letting them know that, like I said, no dream is too big. So first of all, that, and second of all, you know, go outside your comfort zone a little bit. Um, and that's where all that creativity can stem from, uh, trying new things and trying something that might be uncomfortable and practicing hard at it is when that, that uncomfortable thing becomes comfortable. Um, and then it becomes routine and then you can try the next uncomfortable thing and you can just keep climbing those stairs to, um, you know, the next level of greatness. So I think just, Combining those two things, you're uh, you're set. Well, that's awesome. No, I, I think that's some great advice. I think what you're doing for the sport is phenomenal. I think it's great that women are finally getting their due in sports because both versions of the game are played at the highest level and they're both exciting to watch. And so it's awesome that both the men's leagues and you know the WPLL are really partnering up. Um, you played multiple games with the PLL at sharing a venue. Um, you know, kind of just teaming up, like you said, that we're all in this together and really trying to promote the sport and the growth of the sport. So um, keep doing what you're doing, and we appreciate your, your time on this podcast with us. Thank you. I really appreciate all those kind words. And, um, you know, Hope Lacrosse is – I love what, what we're all doing for it. So just hope we can continue to grow. And we really appreciate all that you guys are doing, all the platforms and everything, and, and just tweeting out everything. I know it's like – it sounds so silly, but – a small tweak can go a long way, you know, especially yep. for our sport. So uh, we, we see what you guys are doing. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much for having me and for giving us another platform to expose ourselves. I just appreciate you taking the time out today. I'm a big proponent of the WPL, and I think it's time that you guys got your due. So um, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you, you taking the time. I love that. No, absolutely. You know, you keep doing what you're doing. And uh, like we said, we love watching the sport and we, we care about all professional leagues and we want to see the sport grow. All right. Thank you, Kylie. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Talk to you guys soon. All right. So that concludes our interview with uh, Kylie Olmiller. We're really appreciative of her coming on the show, our first guest and a great one to have. Um, so now let's hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll get back into the action going into the PLL. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
welcome back, guys. Uh, so now let's get diving into the PLL a little bit. Um, we're going to talk Atlas Archers. That was the first game of the weekend on a Friday night, and they had a really great turnout in Atlanta. Um, again, it seems like they're really rolling, and it seems like they're getting a much better turnout as the weekends go by. Um, so they'll look to continue that going into D.C. Um, but another great game between the Atlas Archers, and I know me and you, Adam, both picked the Archers in this game, but um, the Archers just they looked good on offense. They just let the Atlas kind of hang around a little bit until it was a little too late. And, you know, Trevor Baptiste, again, with a phenomenal face-off game. He had 11 straight to end the game. They were down, headed into the fourth, and, uh, you know, they came back, and it just really didn't seem like the Archers made the Atlas work for any of their goals in this one. You had Joel Tinney with two goals and one assist. Um, you know, you had John Crawley. He had two goals, uh, and they both came late in the game, um, kind of give them this, this lead. But there was just, you know... Not enough effort on the Archers' defense, in my opinion. And, um, you know, Gilman didn't do that bad in goal. I mean, you, you hold the team to 13 goals, you should win. So we can't put the blame all on the defense. But um, really, really didn't make them work too hard, you know, uh, on offense. And I think that's kind of what did them in. It's like the Archers kept kind of taking the lead. Um, and, you know, it was back and forth throughout the, the game. But the Archers kept kind of pulling away. And it, they never really got that extended lead because... The, their defense kind of just gave up these these gimme goals, and I, I felt like they worked a little bit harder for their goals. Um, they also drew a lot of penalties, which you know led to some power play goals by them, and they're they're lethal on the power play. But you know you can't just rely on those power play opportunities. You got to get some stops on defense, and when they mat when the stops mattered, they really they really weren't there. And again, um, they really got to figure it out at the faceoff X. I mean, hopefully Brendan Fowler can come back from injury and maybe give them a change of pace, but. Um, Overall, a disappointing loss for the Archers. They had a chance at the end for the win, you know, 24 seconds left, and they really didn't know what they were doing out there. Um, it didn't look like that anything drew up. And finally, they got another restart with 1.5 seconds left, and a long shot from Holman almost went in, but another great save by Kincannon, who's, you know, been lights out for the Atlas. Um, you know, he, he held them to 12 goals on this day, um, and his biggest one came at the end, which... Not only did he stop the Holman shot, but a near deflection from Schreiber also um, got stopped. I don't know if it would have counted, but again, great ga game for him and Cage and uh, the Atlas are really, you know, coming alive. Um, you know, they, they obviously really wanted that Whipsnakes game back last week, but uh, they get a win here and they'll get a chance at the Whipsnakes again next week in D.C. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with a team like the Archers who started out so successfully and then have gone to this point in the season, what, what they do, if there's a potential um, kind of spark plug for them at the trade deadline, you know, we're a couple weeks away from that and they may wait to see if uh, one more week, they could jump all the way up to third place um, as of next week. So um, it'll be interesting to see if not only what they do, but the rest of the squads do kind of heading towards that trade deadline. Yeah, I think they're better than their two and three record, but, we're going to have to see a little bit more heart from them. Um, and going off of that, I do want to hit on um, one of our social media contributors, Matthew Curtis, was down in Atlanta. He's a Whip Snakes fan, and we'll get to that game in a little bit. But on Friday, he went with his buddy, and they were repping none other than RJ Kaminsky paying their chest. So if you guys didn't see that video on RJ's social media, feel free to check it out on his or on ours. Um, some great work by Matthew Curtis to bring us some good social images and video from Atlanta this weekend, so props to him. Um, you know, we're, we're glad that he's part of the team and uh, he's doing some great work for us. So now let's go into that Whipsnakes Redwoods game. That was also a great game. That came second in the day, but uh, I, I want you to hit on that first, Tim. Go ahead and tell me what you saw out of that game. Uh, basically, you know, Matt Rambo throwing down the Yu-Gi-Oh! Dark Magician card. Um, I don't know what he did as a child. We I might have to ask some of our LaSalle boyfriends, but. Uh, might have been enrolled in some ballet earlier in his life because he's just tiptoeing in his Jordans right around the crease. Um, you know, going up against uh, Apple of the Redwoods, who is doing his best Frank Krug impression this year and leads the league in cause turnovers by, I think it was by at least seven. Uh, I know he's got 14. I'm not sure what the next person under him has, but... Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's really, destroying it. There's really no answer for stopping Matt Rambo. I mean, they... The Redwoods ultimately came out with the win, but, you know, Matt Rambo still tallied eight points, which is absurd. Yeah, and I think no no one's ever told Matt Rambo he can't score from GLE because he continues to do it 
each game it feels like. Um, another one from, you know, no angle and that he makes go. So, yeah, he's definitely carrying that team. But uh, it was your Long Island boy, Matt Cavanaugh, who put on a show with three goals and three assists. You know, what did you see from him? The Cavanaugh Cuzzies from Kellenberg put on a big show this weekend. I don't know, man. He's just a creator. You know, he just, wherever he's at on the field, you got to look for him because he can, he can just do anything from anywhere. He's a feeder, he's a shooter, and he just makes things happen. It's, it's kind of tough to stop. And uh, we saw that he had the third goal of the game to put them up 3 1. Um, and, you know, he's just a presence that you got to always account for, and it's kind of hard to. And then the, the newest Redwood, Henningberg, he had two goals and two assists against his former team, so he remains undefeated. Um, you know, right now the only undefeated player in the league is Jules Henningberg, um, again, putting on a show. Um, and I think what was overlooked, though, mostly in this game was how good the Redwoods were on defense because Joe Nardella dominated at the faceoff X, and that's large part because uh, Greg Gurendelian was – Injured, he got sustained a hamstring injury, and he battled through it. But he went six for twenty-four on the day, so it really wasn't one at the face-off X. It was really one on their offense, and you know it was close till the end. But man, Kyle Harrison, K eighteen, sends us back to the early two thousands with a jump goal on the run, the dagger, and the you know the Redwoods end up rolling um, to a victory in this one, handing the Whipsnakes their first loss. So another great game, um, but I think the best one obviously so far, was the Chrome Chaos, and it was a game we, we didn't really expect to be that close, and it ended up being a lot closer, but Adam, tell me about this heartbreaking loss for the Chrome, who are now 0-5. Well, I have to say, some of us thought it would be this close. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I picked, I know I'm crazy, but I picked the Chrome in this one going into it, going into last, last week, um, but man, what, what else can they do to kind of throw a game at the end. I think that it was a great game from the beginning um, for the chaos. Um, they started out seven. It was seven to one um, behind goals by Jake Picaro, Miles Thompson, and a bunch of other guys. Um, and at that point, Coach Starja, it's what we, we talked last week uh, about Coach Starzik making um, some changes, potentially at the faceoff X, giving a guy a shot. Um, well, he gave a guy this, a shot this week, and it just so happened to be in cage in Brett Queener. And, man, was he a spark plug um, when he replaced John Galloway after that first 7-1 run. Um, he, on the day, he made 15 saves um, and let up seven goals, but made as many, let up as many goals as um, John Galloway did in that first quarter. Uh, and it was tough to watch early on, but I was super excited that Brett Queener um, was able to get his shot in cage and was a spark plug. Uh, for the Chrome, um, goals by Justin Gutterding got them to to about nine six, and then twelve to eleven at one point. Um, Chrome even came back after being down three goals, scored the last three goals of, of regular time. Um, but unfortunately, it was the wrong Dukey that scored. You know, Chrome has tons of Duke players, but Chaos does as well, and it ended up being Deemer Class um, that to score the OT winner to to beat some of his former Duke teammates. So. Um, great game to watch, maybe not from if you wanted to just skip the first quarter, um, but it was an unbelievable ending. But man, I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna do going forward from here. They might have to make a lot of changes going forward when it comes to the Chrome. I would say it's it's just hard to figure out because they're not doing anything wrong per se. Yeah, uh, I think the Queener move was good. I think he's got an electric personality. You know, he's like the reason a lot of people started playing lacrosse back in the day. Uh, he's just fun to watch. He's a fun guy, and I think he definitely showed out. Um, but I, I don't know. The Chrome, they're definitely like the older team, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But they just can't figure it out for some reason. I don't, I don't, I don't know why either. It's, it's hard because they're not doing anything wrong. They're just, I guess, not doing a lot of things right. And I have to say too, you know, I that that the Queener move, I, I would have made the same move. And I, you can't put it all on John Galloway, too, because, I mean, the yeah, shots he was facing early on, it, no one's going to make those, even even the USA's goalie, like John is. So it, it, it's tough. And they came back after that, but I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do forward because clearly a lot of things are working, just not at the right times. Yeah, no, definitely. And they, uh, you, you know, we're coming to the halfway mark of the season, so they got to put something together. Um, and not an easy task at hand playing KS again this weekend in D.C., so... I don't know, maybe maybe they get over the hump this time, but 
you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I can count off the, the Chrome again this weekend, but, you know, who knows if they can get past that high-power offense and, you know, they hung with them, but they got to get some stops. To quote my boy Diggs Tape from Instagram, these Oz boys are a real problem. They they <laughs> have everything figured out. They're just, they're just basically running the table. I don't know if they're going to lose another game from here on out. You can put that in the books. We'll see how that goes. That's a bold prediction, Tim, but yeah, we'll see see what happens. And again, uh, Jared Newman, another rip from outside the arc. I mean, they clocked that one on uh, Saturday at 109 miles per hour. Actually, Queener got a stick on it, and yep. it just went past it. It literally bent his stick backwards. He got he, if, if one of us shot it, he probably would have saved it. <laughs> yeah, no, crazy. And uh, that ended up being the difference maker. And I would say, because... Just because my brother's a goalie, Adam, I think you're a goalie too, correct? Yep. I know that's like probably the worst shot that you can have, like the one that you get a big piece of and it just goes in anyway. Like you just feel like you just feel like the worst because yep. you were there, your hands are there, you punch good, and then you just it just bends your hand back anyway. So yeah, no, so t- tough one. Um, yeah, we'll see if they go with Queener again in goal uh, this coming weekend. I-, I think you ride the hot hand, but um, who knows? You don't want to destroy Galloway's confidence either, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that might be the move this weekend going forward. And the thing with that is, I mean, if you look at the goalies in, in this league, whether it's Galloway and Queener, we talked about Adam Gittleman, his backup is, is Drew Adams, who is a multiple-time goalie of the year in the MLL. That the, the competition level, it's not like, it's not even like um, when it comes to the Atlas with Kincannon being the starter over Scotty Rogers, who's more of a veteran. The, the goalies we're talking about are, are veterans that have been there. Um, so it, it's not like they're going to someone unproven, you know what I mean, when it comes to their backup. So um, I wouldn't put put it past uh, Starja to start Galloway again, but the hot hand would make sense too. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll, we'll see what they do going forward. Um, well, that brings us to our game picks of the week. Um, so we're going to start off with the MLL. We got Chesapeake versus Denver in a July 4th game, so that should be fun to watch. Um, who you got, Adam, in this one? They have had this July 4th, uh, 4th of July game going on for a while now in Denver. It seems like it's a tradition. Um, I think I'm going to take the hot hand when it comes to the outlaws, and let's see what Mr. Canada and John Grant Jr. can do on our national holiday. I'm taking the outlaws. Yeah, I gotta go with Grandpa John on this one. Also, I'm taking Outlaws. Yeah, um, you know, I'm gonna go Outlaws as well. Um, I think it's gonna be a close one. Um, but I just feel like they're, you know, they've proven that they can win. Um, on short rest, you know, playing last Thursday and then Saturday, and they'll have a short rest on this one. Um, but they'll be back home, so I, I think they get the win against the Bayhawks as well. Then on Saturday we have the Blaze taking on the Bayhawks. So the Bayhawks will be working on short rest, but they'll be back in Annapolis. So who do you guys like in this game? I think I'm going to take the, the Bayhawks in this one. I know last week a we, uh, few of us did not take the, and by few of us I mean me, didn't take the uh, Outlaws on, on a, their uh, Thursday-Saturday game. Um, the Bayhawks play well in front of a good crowd there in Annapolis, and um, I think they'll want some revenge when it comes to how last week worked out, so I'll take the Bayhawks in this one. I'm going to go with the, the Hawks as well. That I mean, that attack line is just scary. It's kind of, It's hard to... It's hard to defend. It's hard to plan against, especially you know with Lyle back there. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to bet against those guys. Yeah, I think the Bayhawks make it interesting in this one, but I'm gonna go with the Blaze on this. I mean, they they look dominant coming out. I think it's gonna be a lot closer, but I think they go up to Annapolis uh, this weekend, and I think they get the W and uh, really cement their their place in the standings for the MLL. So then on Sunday we have the Cannons at the Rattlers in uh, Texas. Who do you guys got in that game? Why don't you go with you, Adam? I don't think it's really going to be that close. Um, I think the Cannons are going to win this one pretty easily. Yeah, we might as well uh, change their names to the Thanksgiving Turkeys because you should stick a fork in the Rattlers. I'm going with the Cannons. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a bite of that turkey as well because I think it's going to be the Cannons are going to be looking to get get back on track after that tough loss against the Outlaws and... Um, you know, they already beat up on the Rattlers earlier this year, so I think they, they get it done in Texas again. And then the following game on that Sunday is the Lizards at the Atlanta Blaze. So the Blaze are going on short rest back home to Atlanta, um, but they'll, they'll have less than 24 hours of rest. You know, they have a 7 o'clock game on Saturday and a 4 p.m. game on Sunday. What do you guys think about that game? Yeah, I'm actually going to take the 
Uh, I know this is crazy, and it might make them 0-2 on the weekend, but I'm going to take the Lizards in this one. You know, they, I think they're starting to figure it out um, when it comes to their game. This past week, I think if the offensive can click, they seem to do a couple different things, but everything still went through Rob Pinnell. Um, I think if they can get Austin Count on the right page, having a big game um, in cage for them, I, I don't see why it can't be a close game and they can't pull it out in the end. I'll take uh, the Lizards in this one. Yeah, I hate to keep uh, piggybacking on Adam there, but um, I think I'm going to go with the Lizards also. You know, I played with like or against a bunch of these guys on this team. You know, Pinnell, Galasso's even on the midfield line still, uh, and friend of the show, Ben Randall, uh, down at the defense. So, you know, they got their first win. Hopefully, you know, they can come together and figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the hometown boys on the Lizards. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Lizards too, and, you know, I, I like the Blaze in this game. But, I mean, we've all played, you know, um, back-to-back tournament games, but that's a little bit different. I mean, imagine playing back-to-back college games, you know, with less than 24 hours of rest. I mean, it really wears you down. So um, I think, you know, the, the Blazers are going to fall on short rest, and I think the Lizards are going to get their second win of the season and maybe put a little run together. So um, we'll, we'll move on now to the PLL. Um, we have the Redwoods taking on the Archers at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Who do you guys got in that game? I'm going to take the Archers in this one. You know, after our conversation with Full Manny last week, I was expecting this week to to be a big turnaround, and it was to some extent, just not the results they wanted. Um, I'm taking Will's side on this one. I'm going with the Archers. I don't know. It's tough. I want to – I definitely want to pick the Woods on this one, but it's it's hard to say with, you know, not knowing the severity of Beast's uh, hammy. At the X, that could, that could be the difference maker right there. So it's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go Redwoods. I'd like to see if Kyle Harrison can keep it going. You know, he just surprisingly got his first point this past weekend. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he keeps it going. I'm going to pick the Woods on this. Yeah, I'm going to go Archers just because of what you mentioned, Tim, with uh, Grenley and out. Um, not having him is going to be huge. Um, so, you know, maybe Stephen Kelly gets his uh, confidence back in this game and, uh, you know, can, can kind of really contribute to the Archers' um, success. And, you know, I, I hope they can get back to 500. So I'm going to go with the Archers in this one as well. And now the second game we have is the Whipsnakes versus the Atlas, a rematch from two weeks ago at Homewood. Um, so now we're at a, a D.C. site, so there's not as much... Um, nostalgia here, but still a big game um, between these two Maryland and Hopkins heavy teams. Who you guys like in this game? You know, despite not being in Baltimore, you're actually closer to Paul Rabel's house, being from that area. Uh, I'm taking uh, the opposite of what happened in Baltimore. I'm going to go with the Atlas, and, and the Whipsnakes find themselves in a losing streak here. I would, uh, I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, the way Con Cannon's playing and the goal. Um, you know, I think they're starting to f- figure it out a little bit at the midfield line and at the attack, so I think I'll go with the Atlas as well. Yeah, no, we had a, a close game in Homewood two weeks ago. Um, I'm expecting another close one. You know, I don't think they're gonna have, the Atlas are going to give up another eight-goal run at the end. Um, but I think the Whip Snakes are going to really bounce back. I don't think they're a team that really um, goes down too easily. I, I was really surprised how... End up finishing that game against the Redwoods, and I think that you know left a bitter taste in their mouth. So I'm actually going to go with the Whipsnakes in this one. And then on our Sunday matchup between the Chaos and the Chrome, a rematch from last week. This is a big one, guys. Who are you guys picking? I'm I'm standing on my hill. I'm staying here. I'm taking Chrome. I know I'm nuts. I also need to <laughs> make up some games in the standings when it comes to me and you hunting for our bet. So uh, I'm hoping you don't take Chrome, but I'm taking them. I would like to see the Chrome finally get one. I like Starja a lot. Um, I like uh, Milk Boy Connor Farrell at the midfield line, another Long Island boy. Um, but I got to go with the Oss boys, you know. I got uh, Miles Jones at the midfield line, not to brag, but I did take the ball away from him one time in high school. Got one CTO against him, not a big deal. Um, I just don't know how you stop, you know, Connor Fields, Miles Thompson, uh, I'm going with the Oss, uh, the the Chouse, the Chouse boys all the way. I could pick Chrome because I get the luxury of going last each time and mess up Adam, but I want to go Chaos because I think 
Coach Starza is mowing his lawn again this weekend, and I think it's going to be another close one. Um, so I'm going to go with the chaos. That, you know, I think they're, like Tim said, they're a high-powered offense, and they haven't shown any signs of slowing down. I mean, that attack is just, they've just performed. They go out. They're the most consistent week-to-week -week from any of the teams we've seen. So I'm going chaos in this one as well. Starza is going to have the nicest lawn on the block, I'll tell you. <laughs> for sure, you don't for sure. You mow your lawn that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, each week. I mean, maybe he waters it a lot. He waters it a lot. He's, so probably, he he's probably putting some shrubs in, probably putting some sod down, maybe some turf. Feel bad for the guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we go to our WPLL games. So the fight have a break. Uh, they are off this weekend. But we have the Command versus the Brave and the Fire versus the Pride. So, Adam, who do you have in the Command versus the Brave game? Yeah, I, I think the most uh, impressed I was on, in Baltimore, other than the fight, uh, we're the Brave, so I'm going to have to take the Brave in this one. They're, they have some of the coolest jerseys out there, which also helps. Um, but I, I just was super impressed by their offensive play in Baltimore. Didn't result in what they were looking for, but I'm definitely taking the Brave in this one. I mean, it's 4th of July weekend. you got to go land of the free because of the Brave. I'm going with the Brave. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I think I'm going to go with the command here because I like the fight they showed uh, against the fight last weekend. Um, you know, the Brave definitely look like one of the top teams, but, you know, I, I think the command are in do-or-die mode right now looking for their second win. And with this being their last game of the season um, before playoffs, they, you know, they really want to make sure they make the playoffs. Um, and if, if they fall here, uh, you know, you could see the fire jump over them if they, they go on a little run. So I'm going to go command in a do-or-die game for them. And then our final game, we have the fire versus the pride. Adam, who are you picking in this one? I'm, I'm going to stick with the fire in this one. I think they, they have a strong roster despite how last week went, and uh, I think it's going to be a good week for them. I think some of the Loyola squad, the Loyola grads on the team, uh, should be able to pull this at one out and, and get them a victory. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, our, my fire girls. You know, hopefully those Loyolo girls can say Loyolo, put a string of wind together, and uh, you know, get on a little bit of a run here before the playoffs start. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm gonna actually take the pride in this one. Um, I, I'd love to see the fire pull it out because it'll make you know the last week of the season a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, not that they can't still, if the command end up losing, they still could jump over them. Um, even with a loss this weekend, but you know I, I'm going to go Pride here. I think they showed a lot of firepower against the Brave uh, two weeks ago. They're coming off um, a lot of rest, so I'm going to go with the Pride in this one. Well, that concludes uh, our podcast. Uh, we want to tease this coming weekend. Uh, we're doing an interview with Grayson Terrain and Johnny Serdic, two Chaos players and a former Navy and Army grads, respectively, who are joining us uh, following Independence Day, so it couldn't be more fitting. Grayson Terrain is now in the U.S. Navy, um, after graduating from the Naval Academy, and Johnny Serdic is now in the U.S. Army after graduating from West Point. Um, these two guys played together as teammates at DeMatha Catholic and then went off to separate service academies and played each other for four years, and now they're playing on the same team. It's a really phenomenal story um, that we're really hoping to touch on um, in a great way for us to you know, kind of cap off PLL's Military Appreciation Day on Saturday. Um, so we'll have that interview for you guys and an article coming next week, um, so look out for that. Also, we have our 5-5 five and five with Ben Randall this week. It is coming, as well as our 5-5 five and five with Kylie Olmiller as well. If you didn't hear it earlier today on the podcast, you'll see it in article format. And I just want to remind you guys to subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher now. Um, we are on pretty much every podcast channel you can ask for. If you can think of one, we're on it. Um, so that kind of concludes our podcast. We'll go into overtime, and I'll start with you, Adam. What are you looking for forward to most this weekend? I'm really excited to see um, what happens with the WPLL. We're, we're getting down to the wire when it comes to how many regular seasons, uh, weeks they have left. And, and there's some teams like the Fire we already talked about need to get a W to stay in the, this race. So I'm excited to see what happens with the WPLL this week. What about you, Tim? You know, when I was writing the recap for the uh, Redwoods uh, Whip Snapes game, I was going to make a joke about you know, how, like, fast the first quarter was and how, like, transition it was. But I then I would realize that that's basically, like, the whole entire league. Like, I just – I know, like, I'm new to, like, the pro lacrosse talk game, um, just getting it out there officially. But, like, I, I really love the pace of play. It's it's definitely so much fun to watch, especially since, you know, 
I've been watching these guys for my whole entire career, like learning from them. Um, speaking of which, it was like great to see the Chrome pick up Joe Fletcher, who I personally playing defense used to watch a lot. Like I used to watch him, um, his matchups with Lyle Thompson, just to try to emulate what he does. So, you know, it's definitely fun seeing these guys get out there um, and just play against each other because they're the best that do it. So just every weekend, it's just fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, just more to come, more PLL stuff, um, and we'll see how the MLL does. I know there's been some grumblings about people wanting an MLL versus PLL All-Star game, which would be sick. I don't know how logistically that would happen at this stage in the game, but that would be definitely something to keep your eye on, I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I've been pushing for not even an All-Star game. I want to see the top two teams from each league compete in the Professional Lacrosse World Championship, but then they would change the name the following year and then call it the Super Lacrosse Bowl because I think we get some AFL, NFL vibes with this MLL, PLL. Will it ever happen? Who knows? Probably not, knowing you know the way these leagues have kind of bowed back and forth, but we could reach a point where they, you know, if they want to decide which league's better, they should take it to the lacrosse field, so we can hope. Um, but what I'm most excited about this weekend has got to be the battle between the two best attack groups in the MLL, the Outlaws, Kavanaugh, Grant Jr., and Courier versus Lyle Thompson, Steel Stanwick, and Colin Heacock. Everyone wants to say how PLL has more talent, and I'd probably agree with them on that, but you got some great attackmen going up against each other in this matchup this weekend, so that's what I'm looking forward to. That game is going to be a defensive nightmare for every close defenseman that has ever played close defense. Yeah, we're, we're expecting a lot of high scoring in that one. I agree. Um, so that wraps up the podcast. That's episode five of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy the upcoming weekend of Pro Lacrosse.